Sometimes you gotta go back to actually move forward. I don't mean all the way back to dental school. Let's face it, that was an awful experience. But when it's all said and done, you still have questions. That's what Paul and Justin are here for. To answer your questions as your dental business mentors. Hey everybody, Dr. Paul Etchison here. I'm joined with my partner, Dr. Justin Bullar. We are your dental business mentors and we are answering your questions on the air. So if you have a question, please email it to us. All right, today we are going to be talking about when should I buy a practice after graduation? You know, like you got that gunner in your class and he's got like that practice like before his like D2 year is over and and you're just like, wow, I wasn't even thinking about buying a practice. I mean, I know no one's doing it as D2, but D4s are buying practices now. And that is a true thing. And we've got some opinions on it. And I'm just going to turn it right over to you, Justin. I am a new graduate and I want to know, Dr. Bellar, when should I buy a practice? So, Paul, I, interesting enough, like this is a super common question. I uh, There's a, some financial institutions that just recently I spoke about this with. So they had a group of dentists that were coming in looking to either acquire or start a practice. And, and this was it. I mean, there's a number of people out there doing this. So this is this is great. I'm glad somebody submitted this as a question. So the first is you need to decide, number one, if you're going to buy or acquire or start from scratch, right? So those are those are two different things and they require a little bit. So you got to make that decision. And then you got to have some financial considerations here. So the first is, are you going to be able to get a loan from the bank? And depending on what your current financial status may be, and sometimes in the absence of experience, like zero experience, some financial institutions may not actually lend to you. So that could be the bottleneck right there. And that that, that's the limiting factor for a lot of folks. You know, this, the second one is experience. So if you come out generally, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but I came out and I thought I knew everything. You know, I was like, you know, I got this and I thought I was going to save the world and all my patients were just going to, you know, be lining up at the door to see me because I had done this for your degree. But I know that uh, I didn't know shit. I mean, straight up, I just didn't. I, I didn't know anything at all. I knew enough just not to like basically hurt people. And then <laughs> After that, I had to like take courses and programs to learn the rest. So what ended up happening is as I invested in myself or as you invest in yourself, your productivity goes up. You know what I mean? Like when you come back from an Invisalign course, all you see is ortho, like malocclusion. You know what I mean? But prior to that, you may be referring a lot of this out. So I think it's important to understand, you know, yeah, I want to practice, but but where am I financially? Am I going to get that loan? If I do go into practice, whether I start or I buy a practice, A, what are my clinical capabilities? Like, what can I produce? What what can I do in a day? You know, uh, how comprehensive can I diagnose? How much do I plan on keeping in-house versus referring? Yeah, you know, and one of the things like with the clinical suite, and I'm just going to flat out say, when should I buy a practice after graduation? It, in my opinion, it's not right after graduation. I, I think you should associate for two, three years at a bare minimum. I mean, it, the lending thing you mentioned on, I mean, it, for most part, I think I haven't heard of many people having difficulty getting lending, at least for not the, for their first practice. I know some people run into that as they get kind of uh, a little bit leveraged and they have a few practices, but it, chances are you can probably find a bank that will finance it. Dentistry is just, it's hard. It's hard to do it so stinking wrong that you go out of business, I suppose. Now, having said that, I can tell you, I, I, I know someone personally that has, 
had a loan, did a startup, and spent all their working capital and now is really having a very, very hard time. So another thing to think about when you open up a practice is it's kind of nice, especially if you're doing a startup, it's nice to have that associateship and you can kind of like wean off that as you're ready, as your practice starts to get going. Now, I'm talking about startups, of course. Now, if you're doing an acquisition, yeah, you're, you're all in. You already have patients. The place is running. But yeah, you got to think about what does your clinical suite look like? What is the, the your, your dental experience? What can you provide? Now, if you don't have a busy schedule, look at what you're referring out. Like, stop referring things out. Now, if you want to have a busy schedule when you own your own practice, you, you have these years, just associateship, where you can start learning and training and taking those clinical programs. And for me, what really kind of made me decide I want to open my practice was when I started taking the practice management programs. But what I want to stress to everyone listening is that you need to invest in yourself. You need to take these CEs. It's so important. And you have people that will maybe open a practice and spend all their working capital. That's a mistake. I mean, this is something you you need to get the knowledge before you do it. And I just don't think we have it right when we're out of dental school. I mean, you know, you can trial by fire and just get in there and just, you know, figure it out. But I think for me, that would have been a very stressful situation doing that right out of graduation. And I, I mean, for the listeners that don't know, I opened up, I think I opened up exactly almost three years after I graduated. So what, what do you think about that, Justin? I agree with you 100%, Paul. I mean, you take a look at even some of the most sophisticated business operators on the planet. You know, I was listening to something from Bill Gates a couple months back, just an interview we had done. And he talks about that exactly. He says, I would caution anybody to go into business right out the gates until you have worked with a sophisticated business operator for at least two to three years. So, and the reason why he suggested it so strongly was because he says, look, you don't really know much at this point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're a technician in one way, shape or form. He wasn't talking about dentists. So he's talking about computer, you know, techs and things like this, but you know, you got all that information. So great. Now, you know, something, but there's a ton of stuff you don't know. And it's important to not put yourself at financial risk so early because sometimes, and especially in this competitive climate we, we are in now, it's really hard to recover. You know, 10, 20 years ago, sure, you could put it up and, you know, you got guys that are the old school guys in dentistry, like, you know, Howard Fran and these guys who opened up practices literally the day they graduated from school, you know, a month later, no associate check. But those days are gone. It's way more competitive and the economic climate is much less forgiving. If you make mistakes with respect to buying the wrong practice or starting a practice and spending too much on it or, you know, uh, mismanaging cash flow in the practice, sometimes you're working a lot harder and a lot longer than you want to. And you may not recover from that financially for a long time. You know, unfortunately, so many of our colleagues, when when they're behind closed doors and, and we're working with them on a coaching basis, they'll open up because they know it's psychologically safe to do so. But most of the time you go to a course or program, people are not being honest. They're just afraid to say, hey, man, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, but I am stressed. And man, like I'm barely making ends meet here. So you want to avoid that scenario by A, doing what Paul said, which is waiting a few years and working for somebody and, and getting experience so your clinical skill set goes up and B, getting some working capital there. Because you see, the people who will suffer the least in the event that it doesn't work out perfectly for you is those people who can still live their lifestyle, you know, work the regular hours 
because they got some cash in the bank in order to actually weather this storm. Yeah. And another thing too, is when you're working, you you mentioned a biz, I think you said a business minded operator. Is that what you said? Yeah. Like just a sophisticated business operator, business minded operator, somebody who can run a practice. That's the bottom line. Yeah. It's reminding me of E-Myth, Michael Gerber says something along the lines of just because you work in a business that does dentistry doesn't mean you know how to work a business that does that. Something along the lines of that, but pretty much saying just because we're the technician and you can drill teeth does not mean you can run a practice. And when you work for someone else that is doing it well, or maybe they're not doing it so well, but I can say from my experience, when I was going into, and I, I knew I was going to open a practice, I started you know, hanging out at the front desk like, hey, how do you guys check the insurance? How do you guys do this stuff? And you start, show me how like the insurance payments work and all this stuff. Because literally, like when you're, when you get right out of school, you're just focused on the dentistry and you're just, it's, it's not even on your radar. So it, to, to, for me to open a practice right out of school or just get in there and, and buy a practice right out of school, that would just be terrifying to me. Now, can you do it? Is it risky? It's a little bit more risky. Can you get it done? Yeah, of course you can do it. You can do whatever you want. I mean, but I don't think it's the smart way to do it. And I think, why Why would you set yourself up to just be that stressed? I mean, dentistry is stressful enough. I don't, I want less things to be stressed about. Yeah, I, I feel you there, man. So <laughs> the, the less stress, the better. And honestly, look, uh, I, I, there's a number of mistakes I've made uh, acquiring and starting multiple practices. And I, I'm just really sharing with you things that I learned along the way. And also now, just from a unique perspective, like I said, you and I being able to help so many other dentists out with, you know, just answering their questions, doing stuff like this, you start to see that the issue is prevalent. People end up sometimes shotgun buying and they don't even know if they fall into the category of, hey, I want to be a practice owner yet. Do you know what I mean? Like time to actually see that. And I honestly look, I, I... I honestly believe that half of dentists should do it and half shouldn't. And you don't know which half you are sometimes. Some are very clear. Just I want it and I don't. But there's a there's a group in the middle that's kind of on the fence. And until you see what it takes and until you work with somebody who's doing it and, and, and hustling and grinding to actually make this process work, you don't get a really unique perspective on what it takes. So like now that you know, you got this awareness about it. Now it's a lot easier to be like, man, I don't want that. I just want to show up and, you know, punch in, punch out kind of thing, do the dentistry, help my patients. I don't want to manage all this stuff. I don't want to deal with all these people and I don't want to do that. And that's okay. That's actually probably the best thing that could happen to you from an associate position because you save yourself tons of time, tons of money. And, you know, I got associates that I meet all the time who are, who are making more than owner docs. Yeah. So I think summing up. I mean, just yes or no, Justin, should I open a practice right when I graduate? No. How about one year? Uh, depends. It depends on those <laughs> factors, working capital, your business, your clinical skill and your business, uh, your business acumen. Yeah. Main thing is just get the knowledge, get the training, start thinking about it. Don't jump in, pay attention to how people run their business and you have an idea how you're going to run your business before you, you jump in the swimming pool, jump in the deep end. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That was a good one, Justin. I feel really good about that. Do you feel good about that? I love it, man. It's beautiful. Excellent. Hey, Dr. Etch here. If you are like most dentists I talk to, you want to grow your practice. We all know that we didn't learn how to run a successful practice while we were in dental school. So where do we learn it once we get out into the real world? That's why myself and Dr. Justin Bullard created DentalBusinessMentor.com. If you want to know the tricks, the tips, the tactics that we use in our own practices, DentalBusinessMentor.com is for you. Over 175 videos, not to mention the documents, protocols, and checklists that we use to run our practices. 
We have modules on phone skills, mindset, reappointment and reactivation, leadership, culture creation, marketing, effective meetings, patient experience, case presentation, KPIs, scheduling, and collections, just to name a few. We will show you how to run the practice of your dreams. So if you are ready to take your practice and your life to the next level, check out dentalbusinessmentor.com and you have nothing to lose. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you aren't happy, we aren't happy. Go to dentalbusinessmentor.com and take the first step towards learning how to create a practice that helps you live a better life.